everyone. My name is Lauren Strope and I'm a partner in our Tampa office. I've been working on the audits of local governments for my entire career. I'm a proud member of Cherry Beckert's Government and Public Sector Group, or the GPS. And we actually offer strategic audit and management solutions to more than 150 state and local governments, authorities, and public agencies. Um, but today I have Scott Anderson and I actually have a few questions about the first year implementation of GASB 87, our very fa favorite on leases. But before I fire away all the questions, Scott, can you introduce yourself? Sure, my name is Scott Anderson. Um, I have been with the firm my entire career, uh, almost 18 years now. Um, started in Raleigh and then uh, spent six years down in Tampa um, and then spent the last two years as a practice fellow with the Gatsby and returned back to the firm back in July. Um, I'm glad to be here um, and welcome back to all of you to Cherry Beckard's Government and Public Sector podcast series. Awesome. So I have a lot of questions on Gatsby 87. But the first one's first is what is a right to use assets? So I know it's created um, because I have a lease, but like where would I even put that on the statement of net position? Is it just its own line? A right to use asset is a capital asset. And by the way, that's not even my own interpretation. Uh, paragraph 20 of statement 87 specifically says a right to use asset is a capital asset. And so that might answer a lot of your questions, but we can still talk about all of them. So it's a capital asset. You want me to put it in the capital asset roll forward? Like in I, the footnotes? I definitely want you to put it there. <laughs> now, I would say that you have the option. It's not specified. Um, others have put it elsewhere. But to me, because it is a capital asset, it makes sense to be in that same roll forward. Um, what I have seen others do is create its own roll forward. Um, which is fine. I think one of the reasons why um, preparers feel more comfortable doing that is because you are required to disclose it by asset class of the underlying asset. And so if you've got several different types, maybe you're renting or you're leasing a building, you're leasing equipment, you do have to break out the underlying assets. And so maybe if you've got a lot of that, it makes more sense in its own roll forward. But I definitely have seen people do that within the capital asset roll forward, and that looks great. That makes sense. So if it's a capital asset and if I'm putting it in capital assets, wouldn't that impact my calculation for the net investment capital asset piece of net position? Absolutely. It should be factored into that calculation. Uh, it may not have a significant impact. Uh, if you ignore it in your calculation, you may not have a material effect because the uh, right to use asset would be offset by the, the liability, and those are gonna be approximately the same, at least at the beginning. Uh, but yes, that should be factored in. Statement 87 did not change that requirement from statement 34. Awesome, okay, well, talking about the liability and switching over to that side of it, kind of the same question. Is that something that I could put in the long-term liability for uh, roll forward, and therefore just in the short-term and long-term liabilities on my statement of net position, or should it be its own line? It should be its own line within the roll forward. Uh, to me, that's a that's less of a leap than the capital asset roll forward. I see folks put that in there um, all the time because we're used to putting other things in there besides debt, right? We've got mm -hmm. our pension stuff in there. We've got uh, claims liability in there. And so putting the least oh, liability. Pad. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And a lot of people do that. Now, what I do see, though, is 
uh, when it comes to listing out the future payment schedules. I'm still seeing that that's done like a lease where you're just including the future minimum payments and then breaking out the interest at the end. But what you're required to do now is to actually reflect it like a long-term debt, like it is with the principal and interest payments until you get to five years out and then you're doing it in five-year increments. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, as it relates to proprietary funds in particular, um, I've noticed that a lot of our clients are less ORs, uh, a lot more than I assumed when we first went into GASB 87. Uh, but let's say that I'm a less OR and this leasing is the principal part of my operating activities. Where would I report that on proprietary fund statements, on the statement of revenues, expenses, and net position changes? Well, I think uh, folks understand that if it's your principal operating, the lease revenue does show up in operating. The question that Gatsby has gotten is what to do with the interest piece. Mm -hmm. and, and that is an interesting question that came up with a uh, question and answer um, that would address that. Um, I believe that is paragraph 4.13 from the 2021 implementation guide update. Um, the short answer is lease interest revenue should be, it should be reported as non-operating. Uh, if the principal ongoing operation is leasing property to other entities, the principal ongoing operation is conveying control of the right to use the underlying asset. And because the interest revenue related to at least is recognized from financing that operation rather than from the operation itself, the Gatsby believes that the interest revenue uh, from would from the lease would be reported as as non-operating. Okay, that makes sense from a proprietary perspective. Um, as it relates to governmental funds during the year of implementation, what should leases report in governmental funds? That is a great question, uh, and there is not a right or wrong answer, which I know a lot of us don't like that. We like to ask the question and have a definitive answer, uh, but there's not. Um, I can tell you what I see people doing. Um, because it is the year of implementation, and, um, and so they're reporting these leases for the first time, I'm seeing a lot add all of their leases pre-existing and otherwise in their general fund or in their governmental fund statements as other financing sources and capital outlay. The difference, the difference offset each other, um, so it really has no um, effect on fund balance. The alternative is to only report new leases this year and leave the uh, pre-existing leases off. Um, GASB has not um, provided any guidance on that. Um, it's the year of implementation, so it's really only a one-year problem, but I'm seeing it both ways. Neither way is wrong. Perfect, and this kind of leads us into my last question is, should I restate prior balances in the MD&A? Am I required to? And what if I present two years? What does that mean I should do? So there is not existing guidance on what you should do in required supplementary information. Um, However, there is a new statement that was just issued, uh, Statement 100, uh, which does provide this guidance. It's not effective yet, but I think you can probably follow the principles laid out there, uh, which is that you would not restate the RSI or require supplementary information unless it was an error. For correction of an error, you would. For change in accounting principle, which includes the adoption of a new accounting pronouncement, you would not change the required supplementary information. 
Now, if that results in a lack of comparability with the current prior year, then what you can do is add an asterisk and note that the prior year did not include the effect of Gatsby statements 87. I think that's a lot easier for, for folks than having to figure out what these liabilities and assets should have been last year. Absolutely, because that's that's the big problem that folks are running into that I see. Well, that's actually all the questions I had for you. So thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And Scott, as always, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Um, you can reach me. I'm Lauren Strope at lstrope, which is S-T-R-O-P-E at cbh.com. And you can reach Scott at Scott Ander uh, at S Anderson, uh, which is spelled with an O at cbh.com. And for those of you listening and big fans, please subscribe and let us know more about, uh, we'll let you know about more podcasts to come. Um, I believe the next podcast will be about GASB 96 on SPEDAs.